When I finally gathered the courage to look, I gasped as I becross myself. How many years was it since she wore her nun's weeds? It was as if I viewed the past through a glass, seeing her as she was, and not as she finally became. Suddenly, I was grateful. Surely, this was Isabella's last request, or perhaps one of them. With my optimist's heart, I hoped also that a final wish might have been to see me. Her face was lined and waxy in death, as white as the wimple that gathered about her cheeks. Never a beauty in life, her face now radiated a luminous quality. Long fingers lay gently on a rosary upon her chest. This woman, who was always my twin in height, seemed now shrunken within the cloud of feathered ticking. I moved to stand beside her, shaking my head as our shared history unfolded in my mind. Then, slowly, I knelt. Oh, Isabella, what wonders are you at last privy to? How trivial are the matters in this little kingdom? For you now reside in the greatest of kingdoms. I have no doubt you sit at the feet of the Almighty. My elbows sank into the mattress and I interlaced my fingers to a single upraised fist, resting it against my whiskered chin. The flat plates of my thumbnails caressed my lower lip, and I considered. It is Thomas Gifford, in case you have forgotten. Almost, I thought her composed lips turned up with indulgence. <laughs> I smiled. You knew I would come. Late, of course. Too late. <laughs> I chuckled, for it was only then that I would allow tears to flow. Without it, I should lose all control. And you would not want that, I told her corpse. I am glad to see you so garbed. It is you who has the last laugh, then. I would tell you to give old King Hal a tweak, but I know he is not with you in that place, but in some other. I sighed and lowered my hands, idly smoothing the rough coverlet with a callous palm before wiping the wet from my cheek. Isabella, who would have thought they could take our religion from us? I saw it happening and barely understood, as powerless as the best of them to stop it, even poor Thomas More. I recalled them all, those who had stood against the king, when he strove to put aside his good queen in favour of the whore Bolin. If they only knew what mummery was to come of it, I wonder how many would have been the king's man then. Ah, uh, of course there was Thomas Cromwell and his lackeys, but the headsman has since made shorter men of them. And now there is sickly King Edward. Ah, uh, if only he would die. I glanced at her still countenance. Ah, uh, forgive me, Lady Prioress. You would have scolded me for that uncharitable thought. Watching her silent, unmoving features, I could stand it no more, and I leapt to my feet, casting aside the heavy curtains, allowing the grey light of afternoon to tumble into the deadened room. I inhaled fresh air from a draughty window before turning back to her, my shoulder blades couched against the diamond panes. And so, 
you are at your end, my dear Lady Prioress. Worries are done, old sentiments set aside, everything resolved, at last. The feeling of a bodkin twisted in my gut was one of old, and I could not help but stare at her face and wonder, as I had wondered for so many years. She was silent, as silent as always. No more words now. Isabella, I whispered, sweet Isabella, if we could change but one summer, which one would it be?